He used to call it two, the three P's. Play, possession, and position. Football, the people say, what do you do? What are you doing to play? Welcome to the Tactical Stand. I am your host, Ayush Roy, and we're back with another episode, episode number six of a podcast which I feel is doing quite well. I'm joined by my co-host, Bhargav Gopal. Bhargav, how are you doing today? Doing very well on this fine evening, Ayush. Uh, as you can see, I've changed my location <laughs> because, uh, you know, new things call for new changes and we have our uh, dream trio, if you would like to call that, finally. <laughs> exactly. Um, we are joined by our new guest, uh, a guest who we've been trying to get on from episode one. And we're on episode six. Obviously, we had a special in between. So it's been seven weeks to try and get this guest on. And he finally has come on. Hari, how are you doing today? Well, uh, first of all, good evening and uh, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, I'm doing good. And I hope that uh, you're doing great. And I've been hearing your podcasts and well, I've been on fire, I must say, the last <laughs> few weeks. <laughs> Thank you so much, Hari. It's lovely to have you on the show. I did say we've been trying to get you on for quite some time. Before we start the show, uh, the Tactical Stand would like to pay our respects to Gerard Hulia, who passed uh, earlier today as we record on Monday. So we can say that he's passed earlier today. Um, hope, uh, hopefully um, his family are all right. And of course, it's a tough time for them. Uh, thank and thank you to Gerard Houllier for all that you've done in football and for teams like Liverpool. Um, that being said, we have just had a crazy week of football, guys. I think we do a lot of Premier League football, and I do not remember the last time we had a week where everybody in the top six, as they like to call it, did not win a football match. Um, we had Chelsea lose, Arsenal lose, uh, Tottenham draw, Liverpool draw. And of course, the Manchester derby turned out to be a drab, goalless draw. And that's our first game today. That's the game we're going to talk about. The Manchester derby at Old Trafford. Manchester United 0, Manchester City 0. I'm going to start with my guest, as I always do. Hari, you watch the Manchester derby. Everybody watched the Manchester derby. I just said it's drab. But what are your opinions on the game? Well, neutral uh, would like... Maybe... You know, you'd call it a drive, but actually it was not, in any case, a typical nil match, I would say. Actually, I felt that uh, both teams were up for it in the first half, with City actually edging it in the second half. But yes, they did waste a lot of chances. And I think uh, one thing which uh, stood out was United had uh, more possession in this match than their previous matches against Manchester City. Yes. That actually stood out for me because uh, usually we see the typical United versus City matches. City would always try to go for uh, scoring an early goal and United would just sit back. And especially we all remember the uh, 2-1 uh, win for uh, United at Etihad last year. It was actually an excellent uh, counter-attacking performance by United last year. So I felt uh, that there would be a similar game and there would be goals I felt. But then United have one problem. They haven't been scoring goals at home. Mm -hmm. uh, their last goal came on the first match day against Crystal Palace. That is an outfield play. So, yes, they have been uh, struggling in that aspect. But uh, one good thing was that both sides uh, did defend well on the occasion and did not succumb to the pressure of a Manchester derby. Mm. Bhargav, actually, on what Hari said just now, that... United had more possession than City. Now, I honestly don't remember the last time a Pep Guardiola Manchester City had less possession than their opponents. Doesn't matter who their opponents are. Do you think this was a tactical decision made by Pep ahead of the game or before the game, sorry? Or do you think that Manchester United actually did well in that aspect? So, uh, I think, you know, in recent times... Pepper started to understand a little bit that a position does not, you know, warrant a control over the game. 
uh, a sense of fluency in the game where you know you are guaranteed to go on search forward and create chances and uh, clearly from his lineup it was a pragmatic route that he took and it is not the first time actually that he has played out you know a double pivot in midfield mm-hmm. with the reliance on you know uh, individuals like sterling de bruyne and in this case gabriel jesus to you know burden the goal scoring opportunities so what i thought is that you know uh, it was you know 55 45 in possession the figures kept changing a little bit but it never exceeded the 60 mark and i think in the game previously i had noted you know pep had said to his players that the concentration of uh, you know the, the quality of concentration rather should be more than you know the amount of possession that you keep and the quality of individuals that you are on the pitch and i think that is exactly what he tried to you know emphasize playing out on the pitch as well where he said that okay even if i can concede that 5 to 10% of possession and if that translates into a you know a counter uh, which which you know could result in a potential goal or probably a, a foul in the offensive third which could lead to a set piece situation probably wouldn't mind right i mean pep would obviously even though he is a master in you know playing the possession game I certainly don't think that there is any football manager who would not like to go one nil up or two nil up if given the opportunity to you know maintain the lead in a tactics affair like the Manchester derby and so a win a lot but then you know he did get the chances like Harry said in the second half city were the you know more of the aggressors tried to create wasted a few and eventually you know it was it was a goalless affair i wouldn't call it drab because i think that defenses are a crucial part of the match as well and you know tactically speaking defenses were astute both sides in fact and you know they they snuffed out the dangers that these quality uh, attackers could put on so i felt that you know that conceding position was not something that was a priority uh, for pep he would have always you know let go of that 5 10% extra position bringing it down to the 50s maybe but he would have wanted the chances to be converted uh, more often than he liked in the eventuality of the result yeah that is very true i think uh, when you talk about the best chances of the game they all fell to city the mares chance in the first half and a couple of chances in the second half which they couldn't take when they should have taken them and they couldn't um hurry let's move on to manchester united's game then now manchester united had gone into this game on the back of a disaster result in the champions league now now going to be playing in the europa league the one thing as a united fan i noticed was that ole was really worried about his defense because let's face it the defense have actually been letting down united for a good number of games you talk about the comeback victories against southampton and west ham well the reason they had to come back was because they were conceding goals in the first half and they've conceded what three goals against psg and three goals against leipzig Do you think Ole even though he played Pogba now when I saw the formation I thought it's going to be a diamond you know four midfielders and two up front but then what I saw was that Pogba essentially was playing left wing and Greenwood was playing right wing with Rashford up front and of course the two holding midfielders in Fred and McTominay now a lot of questions have been asked about these two holding players because we remember after the restart it was just Matic there with Pogba and Bruno ahead Do you think that Ole is really worried about the defense and to safeguard this defense he's always playing a Fred McTominay a Fred Matic for the defense actually the major problem that has uh, been uh, in united at least from last year is uh, Maguire's form has been uh, quite mixed in some games he does play well he leads the back line but uh, there as you said against uh, Leipzig If we see the third goal he actually switched off and this has happened in the matches against tottenham as well yeah so definitely ole is worried about defense there is no doubt in that and as for the other part uh, uh well we didn't expect united to go on an any attacking uh, mode actually mm-hmm. so i am not surprised by the tactics that ole had played against uh, city this match yeah however what uh, surprised me was uh both uh, united and city both were uh, able to adapt to the changes made by the opponent in this match okay. and coming back to the previous point uh, 
Pep has had a lesser position than his opponents in quite a few games last year, actually. So now <laughs> I feel that uh, it is <laughs> it is actually as Bargov has said. I think he is not concentrating much on the possession game now. However, uh, now coming back to United, one thing which uh, also uh, was quite intriguing was uh, sit. Uh, Cancelo and Van Bissaka battle was there actually. Cancelo was uh, when Cancelo was getting the ball, Van Bissaka tried to move ahead and press him. But when Van Bissaka lost that at a position situation, Sterling was having the opportunity to go there, and that actually created a problem in the United backline because hmm. then you had to uh, players to shift to this uh, to the right side, which meant that Mares had chances there. Yeah. As you said, Maris did end up missing one crucial chance. Exactly. Yeah. So this actually was playing up, and uh, I feel that uh, United uh, had uh, taken good decisions during the match to ensure that these uh, situations do not occur on a regular basis. I mean, I actually could make a case of Pogba uh, starting against Leipzig, where you would have needed uh, the creative. I mean, it doesn't hurt to have extra creativity, especially against a fluid side like RB Leipzig, who you know essentially sometimes even played a front line of you know four players. Mm-hmm. Where Leipzig, uh, where where uh, Angelino, excuse me, uh, he you know drifted into that left wing position. We we saw what happened you know in in the first couple of minutes. Yeah, he, he got that all important goal, which you know set Leipzig off on on the domination streak. So I think you know. Uh, Playing Pogba is something that uh, it, it's probably a mistake on Ole's part. He thought that you know he should have started him against Leipzig and ended up starting him in the derby, which paid off, uh, mind you. You know because he was involved in a lot of see in 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 a game where the battle was expected to be between Bruno Fernandes versus Kevin De Bruyne. Pogba actually had lesser pressure on him mm-hmm. compared to the relative derbies, and you know he can create havoc on any given good day. You know whether that's goals, whether that's assists, whether that's chance creation, even from the depth of the midfield. So he can get into the you know good areas, and you know he can you know play the interplay, which he even did on a few occasions. But I just think that you know against Leipzig, what what happened is playing Matic and McTominay, both disruptive midfielders in nature. So you have this gap in the midfield between Bruno Fernandes was a little more isolated. There, there is supposed to be a link up in the midfield three. He had, in fact, you know, uh, Ole's players, in fact, against Leipzig in midweek, they were more trying to contain uh, the Leipzig attackers in the first half an hour or first 40 minutes before eventually realizing his, his mistake and then. Uh, Ole replaced Matic with Pogba, if I'm not wrong, in the 60th minute. And by that time, a lot of the damage was already made. So I just think that, you know, he probably mismanaged his tactics a little bit against Leipzig, made some corrections in the in the derby. And then, you know, uh, he uh, he eventually got, got the all-important point, although he would have liked the win. Uh, one thing which I would also like to highlight is, uh, I think Ole did not play Pogba. Uh, for one main reason. Uh, now, as we all know that uh, this is all gossip talks, of course, but there was a situation where there was a news coming up from his agent. So now, uh, if after such a news has come out, if Ole decides to play Pogba, it would send a wrong message to the squad. This could have been one of the reasons that he did not start him in the match. So, uh, But hurry, but hurry, I think... I think that point actually is not very justifiable, not only because Pogba did come on, but also started a few days later in the Manchester derby. But there is one more player who can play that position. It's not that you don't have another creator. You've got Donny van de Beek also available. Maybe Pogba didn't start because of his agent, but you had another player who could create, who could move around, who could help Bruno Fernandes, which they didn't do. I think Ole went with that formation to play out to play out a draw to play out for a game there's no reason to play a back five and two holding players in Matic and McTominay and then expecting three players or two players up front to get the job done that's essentially seven defensive players and let me tell you this united have also beaten leipzig they beat them 5-0 at old trafford and guess what formation they played there a diamond formation Bruno Fernandes was on the bench. He came on in the second half. But we started with both Pogba 
and Van de Beek that day. There are two creative players in that team and you take out one, put Bruno in, you've won the game 5-0. Over here, to start with seven and start only one creator, you can see that Ole was not thinking in the same way he did when he beat them 5-0 in game week two. He was thinking about, we need a point, we need to get a point. And he's learned, and I, and I agree with Bhargav, he learned that his lesson from the Leipzig game. He learned about his defense, but he learned that they need a few more creators to try and get a chance. And he had a choice between starting Pogba or Van de Beek in the Manchester derby, forgetting what the agent said a couple of days ago. Pogba started in the Manchester derby. And to be fair, we didn't have any clear-cut chances, but we did look better. And I think all of us can agree that they look much better than what they did midweek against Leipzig. To make a good point over there, uh, I think it was a couple of episodes back where we discussed the Southampton-Manchester United game. Yes. And we talked about, you know, the auxiliary forwards role that Van der Beek and Bruno Fernandes played with you know, Rashford yes. and Cavani. I, I think you remember that point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would, it would actually interest to think about why they did not want to do that in the Leipzig or City game. Uh, I mean, both, uh, both have some stakes involved. In the Leipzig game, it was obviously fighting for Champions League qualification to the, to the round of 16. And in this case, uh, winning the game would have taken them into the top four comfortably at least. And, you know, not uh, in the situation that you know, both clubs find themselves in. I think, you know, sometimes uh, it, it, it might come off, you know, in, in the negative direction. But I just think that, you know, Ole needs to be a little more gutsy with the selections. Especially when you know that something has not worked out for 55, 60, 65 minutes. And the the ironical part is that he knows that this is something he can make, you know, he can make the system work. After all, playing a 4-2-4 in those last 30 minutes fetched him that comeback. I mean, you can you can obviously argue that, you know, were Southampton suspect defensively, were, was Cavani just, you know, better on, on his good day? And did Bruno Fernandes, you know, replicate the kind of performance that he usually does every weekend? But there is a point in case where you see that, you know, you have played the system before. You can bring on Van Der Beek from the bench. And you have, you know, two centre-forwards who can play. Obviously, that day you had Cavani. Uh, in, in the derby, you had Marshall. So, you could still play the same formation with Van Der Beek and Bruno pushing through, you know, the uh, the, the City defence. Even if it meant, you know, two centre-backs and two defensive midfielders. Matching the City back line, which was also four-man defence. Probably could have sneaked in a result. Could have at least led to a solitary goal. You never know. But one more question before we move on to our second game, guys. Um, which is away from Manchester United. We come back into Manchester City. Uh, granted, they'll, Pep would look at a goalless draw at Old Trafford and say, that's a good result for us. Because again, City are what? The ninth in the league right now with a game in hand. And knowingly, if they win that game, they go bang up to, to fifth or sixth at this moment. But again, you never know with how crazy this Premier League is. They've scored 19 goals in 11 games, Bhargav, Manchester City, which is apparently the lowest a Pep team have scored in the first 11 games of a season. Um, well, since he's in his managerial career, he scored more goals with Barcelona, Bayern, and with Manchester City in the three seasons before this. I know Aguero's injured, and Aguero's barely played if he had, if he has at all in the Premier League this season. But Jesus does get goals. You know, there, there are players who have got goals. Raheem Sterling has scored goals. You know, he's, these are people who are, it's not their first season. They're used to it. They're experienced. What's going wrong there? Why are they not being able to get as many goals as we essentially expect a City to do, to do score? Uh, I think it has two factors involved in this. And both of them are pretty much big picture. And, you know, something that you can see very visibly on the pitch. Number one is, you know, the midfield choice that Pep makes from game to game. Uh, I'll, I'll uh, pinpoint two games to you, right? Burnley nil, Manchester City 5. Yep. Manchester City 3, Porto 1. Mm. Both of these games had dynamic midfield, uh, you know, put out by a City team, uh, put out by Pep, in fact, with the forwards actually troubling the defenders by cutting in more inside than usual. Now, what's happened in you know, a lot of the Premier League games, majoritarily, is that you know, uh, 
city players have uh, city wingers in fact have you know tried sticking in uh, hugging the byline and probably you know waiting for the full back to come and compliment them or they just end up passing it to de bruyne who you know then obviously you know passes it forward to maybe if it's a walker uh, coming in from the right hand side or it's a mendy or a cancelo on the left hand side so what happens is that you keep the triangle going it's all well and good but in the attacking third you are supposed to cut that incisive pass right something which david silva did a lot many years mm-hmm. before he left this very season mm-hmm. right and that's a factor you can go on on about you know for a long time Definitely. but you know uh, cutting in to that is obviously the second uh, point from a big picture perspective is that you know a natural goal scorer should always be able to tell whether he should pull the trigger uh you know when he is in the box or when he has a sighted goal that could probably end up you know testing the keeper at the very least forcing a save if not anything else and that is something the city attackers have not done this season for some reason i just feel that they hold on to the ball too much uh you can understand obviously taking early shots is frustrating taking late shots is frustrating and so yeah. you need to figure out that balance of when to pull the trigger mm-hmm. and whether you are in the right space and area to do so something that's not happened this season and i don't want to blame the external factors because you see other teams doing it as well and they have coped pretty much well entering november and december and you know heading into the latter stages of the season you obviously want that goal situation rectified but i think that you know that being said 19 goals in 11 games is still a decent figure as long as you're able to you know accumulate on the results mm-hmm. and if you know if traditional city get into their uh, motions by you know scoring a 4-0 victory or a final victory as they have done on previous occasions i think it's a matter of time before the team chemistry gels well and starts scoring uh, in the frequency that they usually do Interesting. I mean, you do say 19 is good, but every single team above them have scored more goals. I know, granted that the majority. I mean, it's decent. I, I, I'm not saying it's good. Obviously, it's not good by City's own standards. If yeah. you compare the relative standards, it's definitely not good uh, for what a Pep team should be doing or what City should be doing in the title challenge. Yeah. But it's not, you know, uh, it's not pathetic, is what I want to say, because of the very fact that you know, even the Fulham game, you score just two, but you're still able to claim a two-nil victory, and that gives you three Absolutely. points. Absolutely. Right. I mean, yeah. So exactly. So a one nil, a two one, a two nil can also do the same job that a final can do. But obviously, we would want to improve on the goal difference in such a tight Premier League season. Well, that was a good discussion. Thank you guys on the Manchester derby. I think, in retrospect, a goalless draw. I think both will accept. Granted, the other results which happened after that, you know, as as we did discuss at the top of the show. Um, but yes, Manchester United obviously got eliminated from the Champions League. The game obviously took place last Tuesday, and on the same day we had another game, guys. We had a game between two of the greatest players, uh, two goats, you could say, currently in the world. Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi faced each other as Barcelona hosted Juventus in the last game of their Champions League group stage. Of course, when they met in the first game week, Barcelona beat Juventus two nil in Italy, and uh, this was a decider to find out who tops the group. Um, Juventus winning on the day three nil at new at the new camp. Um, Hari, what did you think of this game? I mean, I I've had a conversation with both of you before we started recording, and both of you were very surprised as to you didn't expect Barcelona to 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 lose this game. And I said I fully expected it because I know Juventus have had their own problems, but I feel when I look at both the teams and we discussed Barcelona last week, Bhargav. that barcelona have actually got more problems than juventus maybe because of the competitiveness of the leagues you could say hari what did you make of the barcelona juventus game last tuesday first of all uh, barcelona juventus game i went in expecting a draw because uh, barcelona had won the match at uh, juventus ground and i expected that they'll at least have something in them to at least hold on for a draw and of course Ronaldo was missing in the first match, and I felt that his presence would at least, you know, threaten Barcelona and that would get a draw. However, uh, things did play out differently this time. Uh, Juventus did get an early goal, of course, thanks to Ronaldo winning a penalty there. So definitely, 
and all three in the Juventus midfield could do it. That was the advantage actually in the Barcelona game. Look at these three midfielders. It's Arthur, it's Weston McKenney, and it's Aaron Ramsey. So there's no natural number 10 who needs to be, you know, confined to spaces or particular roles, right? So all these three have the same responsibilities of coming back, you know, stopping, stopping the Barcelona front four, and then equally going forward and helping out take the position and eventually one of Ramsey or McKenney would, you know, uh, bomb, bomb forward into the box and either take a shot. And in this case, McKenney came up with the, came up with the goods uh, assisted by Cuadrado. So I just think that, you know, uh, Juventus' game plan worked because in defense, they could have Cuadrado tracking back. They had Ramsey tracking back. And then they also had a natural back four. Even though Danilo started as a right center back, he could shift to that right back role. So it's Alexandro, it's Matthias Delict, it's Bonucci, and it's uh, Danilo. A classic back four supplemented by Ramsey and Cuadrado on the left midfield and the right midfield. Cuadrado, in essence, another right back. So you're playing with dual right backs over there. That's something that Pirlo actually did a very good job with. And equally, I think, you know, Barcelona might have considered playing Philip Coutinho, who they had on the bench. And even if they did have to bring Brathwaite, I actually believe that they should have started with their main players, mm -hmm. even though they were, you know, uh, slightly off color. So maybe they could have gone with a Griezmann left wing, Coutinho center and Messi in the, on the right flank and maybe Brathwaite starting up front. Because what happened is Messi, see, Messi is capable of influencing the game in, you know, you know in any fixture. Whether that's Juventus or whether uh, that's uh, a lower level team in, in, in Spanish football. Messi has a lot of influence on the game. But I just feel that, you know, Juventus knowing that particular fact and being so dominant through the middle of the park, you, Messi sticking to a central attacking midfield position did not quite suit him. He did not exactly quite run the game and help Barcelona. And he would have been best suited playing on the right flank position. So there may be, you know, Coutinho, an experienced campaigner in the Champions League, having played, you know, in so many games and even having won the Champions League. I think he knows how to, you know, make the game in a number 10 role. And then they could have played a 4-2-3-1 with all senior players instead of, you know, players like Pedri and Trinicao. Uh, even, if they, even if they do have the talent, they could have maybe been utilized as impact substitutes. So, you know, I, I really think that, you know, Pirlo got this one right, despite the struggles, you know, in, in their own uh, league campaign. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, uh, the, the the positioning and the interplay of Cuadrado and McKinney in the entirety of the game was a stroke by Pirlo. Coutinho didn't even come on. Let's be frank. You can make five substitutions. Coutinho was on the bench. Didn't even play a minute. I actually thought he would, he would, he should have come on in place of uh, Ricky Puig, is that how you call it? Yep. Yeah, yep. he's a central midfielder by trade. So I said, no, he came on and Coutinho didn't. And I thought I thought it should have been the other way. But Coman has his ideas and that eventually so showed. That's, that's essentially my next question, these, these Coman ideas. Uh, he's not doing that well in the league, Hari. Uh, of course, now he's he came second in the group. And because of that, he's now going to have a challenge on his hands with PSG, which is something we're going to talk about in our last section, obviously. Um, Bhargav suggested the idea of playing Coutinho in the centre, Messi on the right. Is there anything else you'd like to see this manager change in order to maybe keep his job? Another option could have been in, in his own 4 2 3 when he could have, uh, like Bhargav said, instead of starting in the centre attacking midfield, Coutinho could have started on the left. Okay. Griezmann, Messi could have been the central striker. That could have also tried, he could have tried doing that because. Uh, at least uh, there would have been a lot of pressure on the centre backs, at least uh, from Juventus' perspective. And uh, Griezmann could have, you know, played somewhere either on the right side, which he used to play at Atletico Madrid before, mm -hmm. or he could play behind Messi. But somewhere, at least, Messi should have been the striker, even if Coman wanted to stick to this uh, formation. I think that could have also made a huge difference because Coutinho is uh, someone who can cut in very well and his long range shots are excellent. And Buffon, uh, though no offence to his goalkeeping skills, has considered a lot of long-range shots. Yeah. So he did uh, save, uh, made a good save out of uh, Messi's start. I feel that uh, the reflexes 
5 or 6 microseconds late could make a difference in such games they could have used continuous abilities in this match for sure and uh, also one thing to remember is uh, bargo pointed it out really well continuous uh, just won the treble there yep and uh, and he is not only someone who is good in uh, long range shots but he has also uh, improved his finishing i feel so yes could have definitely helped Well, no, I don't think I don't think Coman has actually improved Barcelona's defensive organization mm-hmm. and worked on these players' positioning because uh, Jordi Alba and uh, Harry, you know, knows this from previous conversations. He has also criticized Alba for his positioning in especially the big fixtures. And if you see that, you know, second goal for uh, Weston McKenney, acres of space provided for Cuadrado. because they were essentially trying to press you know just ramsey ronaldo and morata because they thought these guys would be the influencers and what happened is those two on the on the right flank they provided to be the dangerous threat mm. and you know a lot of it was you know the fault for the left back so i just think that you know dest is a good signing uh, he does a lot of you know good things in attack as well but generally maybe mix a mix of injuries and his own uh, limitations of defensive coaching has probably cost you know barcelona a little bit in such games where they are conceding uh, goals on a regular basis one more thing which i would also like to say is uh, you know people do focus a lot on comens coaching which of course deserves some scrutiny but uh, one important thing is you know even barcelona players are not fully focused like it simple reason is if you see the penalty the second penalty which juventus got now uh, now such mistake should not be made at this level like very true that handball is really clumsy actually i don't think uh, people at this level would make such mistakes yeah uh, it's amazing uh, it's amazing hari that you uh, when you were talking about what changes you want to see you mentioned playing messi up front playing griezmann on the right hand side that's essentially what barcelona played in their weekend uh, win over levante in a 1-0 win messi played as the center forward behind him coutinho at center attacking midfield something bhargav you mentioned griezmann played on the right and brathwaite surprisingly played on the left i know they only scored one goal from messi in the 76 minute but well again kukuman is thinking like you hari so you can definitely be happy about that <laughs> but uh, with that we move to two other uh, la liga teams we had the big madrid derby this weekend uh, real madrid versus atletico madrid as we do know real madrid have had a start stop season but atletico madrid have had a really good start to their season the top of the table uh, only conceded two goals however the number of goals that they had conceded up to the derby they conceded in the game against real madrid for some reason they play so well but the one barrier they can't get across is real madrid they haven't beaten real madrid in the league since 2016 if i'm not mistaken real madrid 2-0 winners i think the first goal If I was Diego Simeone, I would be really disappointed with the first goal. I mean, the fact that they concede from a corner and Casemiro gets a free header is just—you don't even think that when you're facing Atletico Madrid, a player will get a free header from a corner. Do you think it all fell apart against Real Madrid? Did it, Bargo? Do you know what I actually think that Atletico Madrid are frustrated by the fact that they have to play Real Madrid twice in a league campaign, and uh, they, 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 if they had a choice, they would probably avoid you know these games. And the Madrid derbies have been very uh, predictable, at least in terms of the statistical trend. And for some reason, no matter how well Atletico are doing in their European tra- travels and their you know cup competitions or their league form in this particular season, they just sort of end up. unraveling themselves you know in against the, the the most bitter rivals and frankly i mean ask any atletico fan they would like to you know beat real madrid and you know have the bragging rights for for a few for a few weeks but um yeah i mean the the first goal was so it was very unlike atletico madrid wasn't it you know from a defensive perspective and actually the, the most baffling part was that I don't understand why Felix, Joao Felix, who's actually centre forward, shuffled a little bit on the left wing, was asked to mark a physical specimen like Casemiro. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, they had threat, you know, you know uh, aerial threats like you know Ramos and Varane 
and you know sometimes obviously benzema you know he he imposes himself on the defense and is able to get a header goal and casemiro is also one of them he's he's pretty tall and he can you know he has a good jump to be able to get that i just think that you know the atletico defenders it's it's a momentary lapse they just switched off and you can't ask uh, no matter how defensively minded you are in a system you just can't ask a center forward one of your center forwards at least to be coming back and tracking such a big figure i mean not still understood if he was you know tasked with the responsibility of probably staying with modric or with with cruz or someone like that you know someone of similar height and similar uh, physical aspect uh, specimen but casemiro i just didn't understand and yeah i mean obviously as a result of that no matter how good a keeper you are i mean jan oblak has done a lot for atletico madrid but on this occasion i think tactically speaking uh, atletico's defensive positioning in set pieces which is a very crucial uh, aspect in so many uh, high octane clashes yeah. just fell apart in that uh, moment of of time and overall actually in the game you know real madrid were not able to create a lot of chances they had just about three shots on target out of the 11 that they took mostly long range efforts which did not test oblak at all but still the three that they did take they were clinical and they they made the difference and atletico to their own fault and how good they've been otherwise they just couldn't create that you know that 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 attacking impetus and with with the likes of suarez and felix and carrasco and koke through the middle i think they should have done a lot more than than was expected definitely uh, the that corner was a result of poor marking like uh, there were three players surrounding kimiro and still casimiro headed the ball that was a very big surprise for me and uh, with respect to simeone actually i have, i believe that uh, he should have left atletico madrid two years before uh, the simple reason is that uh, he is not he is an excellent manager there's no doubt in that but i feel that this atletico team is in dire need of fresh ideas mm-hmm. i'm not I, i will not point out who should be their manager they are of course they can have they have options and they'll choose that but i personally feel that simeone has stayed far too long in atletico madrid uh, however now that he still has you know a chance of winning a title i hope that he wins that and leaves them on a high note now coming back to the match i felt that uh, real madrid midfielders were superior overall because uh, atletico madrid could not get uh, the better of the midfield so now if you see this Uh, from 2016 what turning point was the champions league final mm-hmm. now now the result was one of the reasons but if you see uh, zidane matched an atletico madrid system by playing like atletico madrid in that match he led atletico madrid dominate the final and then he softened them for the penalty shootout mm-hmm. i'm not I'm, this is not necessarily a great tactic by any means they are playing for uh, penalty but uh, i am pretty sure that uh, zidane uh, realized that his uh, previous uh, real madrid sides have fallen trap uh, to you know the previous atletico madrid where you know one of the instances ancelotti even lost 4 minutes to atletico that so after that uh, zidane has always focused a lot on these two matches real madrid barcelona real madrid atletico madrid if you see even against barcelona i think uh, He has he is unbeaten in no camp as far as I remember, and he has lost only the home fixtures mainly. So somewhere he is able to get the best of his team, and he deserves enormous credit because uh, just a week a week back they they had lost to Shakhtar, and you know Zidane was on the verge of sack actually at that point. They were saying that if Real Madrid does not qualify from the group stage, he'll be fired any time. But uh, he has always stepped up when it has mattered, and a lot of credit goes to him. Also for the Monchengladbach match, and also for the Atletico Madrid match. I, I was just going to say that you know in the in the match, uh, Real Madrid did not exactly. I mean, they obviously got the clean sheet in the end, but they looked defensively shaky themselves as well. And uh, Carvajal and you know Varane, uh, Ferland, Mendy failed to actually mark their 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 men uh, that they were responsible for, and. Lemar actually ended up having a very good chance that he put you know across the side of Thibaut Courtois but they should have actually tested you know the defense more often because it's it's not exactly the resilient dominant madrid defense from before and they they have their own flaws 
that they they could have you know taken up on and probably substituting you know jao felix at you know half time uh, not not you know letting him play alongside suarez and you know obviously the the, the likes of carrasco and koke could have also chipped in diego lorente has you know found his goal scoring touch on a few occasions i think you know madrid defense was not really tested by you know atletico themselves so i think you know that that, that is something for simeone to think about when he next faces madrid Yeah, that was very good. Um, lovely, lovely discussion about the Madrid derby. Of course, Atletico Madrid are not top of the table; they're second, but they played. Uh, they have a game in hand uh, to Real Sociedad on the same point, so you can expect them to be top of the table very, very soon. We now move on to something which has just recently happened. We had the UCL draw of the round of 16, and we have some really, really interesting fixtures. of course chelsea playing atletico madrid is something which does fascinate me they have played each other a number of times before we also have leipzig liverpool It'll be very interesting to see how leipzig face the premier league champions but the most interesting game guys is um a game which shocked wavelengths just a couple of years ago in the round of 16 barcelona versus psg uh we've seen psg this season obviously not having a great start uh in the champions league losing to united losing to leipzig but they found a way and topped their group of course we've just discussed about barcelona and their problems where do you think psg can hurt barcelona so uh firstly i do believe that psg will start this tie as the favorites simply because they have that second leg at home yeah but uh that could also turn out to be a disadvantage because if they end up losing the first tie away uh so even if they lose 2-1 or something psg are not exactly good at handling pressure and a concession of an early goal at home could make things quite complicated for them so they um, i would say that from psg's perspective the first leg holds the highest importance if psg are able to get a win suppose in their away leg now barcelona is also having some confidence issues and they may not play that well in the return leg in that case so i think psg it is more about the mental battle i feel because uh, both sides are at this moment at least not some uh, confidence machine or something so that is one part secondly now coming to the squads uh, of course neymar and mbappe are a big threat to any defense and given that we were just speaking about barcelona's defense sometime back now that's something which they need to see a lot and given that neymar's trickery can trouble even the best defenses barcelona will also know about him because he has been their player after all so they have to still attention to him and mbappe is someone who thrives a lot in spaces so that's another uh, headache for them and uh, if pk is back uh, he'll have to ensure that he is able to galvanize his side in, yeah. uh, into putting and needless to say uh, messi has to step up because uh, without messi irrespective of whoever steps up they'll not be able to get the final finishing touch for them so yeah all these three factors have to play out well for barcelona to ensure that they are on equal footing as they added to this tie yeah bhargav um we talked about their defeat to cardiz just last week and now we've talked about another defeat to juventus psg is another beast um as as hari did mention the neymar the mbappes i think icardi is injured but he could be back you never know um also a good midfield with verratti paredes uh, marquinhos has been doing a good job at the back what what do barcelona have to do that they haven't done till now because on current form as hari rightfully said psg are the favorites it's 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 obvious that what should barcelona and what do barcelona have to do differently in the hope of getting a favorable uh, result against psg over two legs uh, not just current form actually uh, i feel that you know both squads are in separate uh, quality spaces than they were uh, probably a couple of years back when obviously that historic fixture took place yeah. and i just think that you know psg overtaken barcelona in terms of uh, quality across all departments you know be defense midfield or attack and uh, barcelona still have messi 
so that's obviously always going to be a threat as long as he's at that club they will have you know an extra x factor or you know uh, that 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 uh, trump card that they can play uh, to to be bailed out in the big games but i think more than anything else uh, barcelona quickly need to find uh, the organization or the the oneness that i like to call uh in their defense and in their midfield because i feel that you know for most of the season they have been working in isolation uh individuals have been you know supplying flashes of brilliance but they have never really stepped up and put in a complete wholesome team performance and i think you know against a a, a quality opponent uh, or a beast like you mentioned psg obviously reaching the final last time around think you know this formidable opponent you always need a, a wholesome team performance from goalkeeper to you know center forward so whether that's 4 to 3 1 whether that's 4 3 3 that's for coman to figure out you know in the, in over the next couple of months but i really think that you know keeping things tight at the back is going to be very important and obviously you know supplemented by their defensive midfield whether that's uh, pianic busquets or whether that's deon busquets or deon Pjanic, like the played against Juventus, that's something to be seen. But they will need all of their senior players to to be able to you know execute that defense and uh, take take a favorable result uh, in the in the home as well as the away match. Well, that's great insight from both of you. Thank you so much. We of course will be watching the game and will be analyzing the game come February um, on this very podcast. We'd be lovely to talk. about the first leg as well as the second leg when it happens thank you so much for joining me for yet another episode bhargav and thank you so much for joining me hari your first time on the on the show yes it's always a pleasure looking forward to join more episodes i i can't say the same uh, like hari said uh, it's obviously been uh, you know six seven episodes now so but yeah nevertheless it's it's, it's always a good time you know when we are talking about tactics and especially with the both of you it's always a pleasure lovely and thank you so much for listening to another episode of the tactical stand uh if you haven't already please like us on our social media pages we are on facebook instagram and twitter and yes we will definitely be back next week at the same time for yet another episode we have tons of games coming up in the coming week see you soon Thank you.